The Chicago Bears win their first game of the season 20-17 against the Cincinnati Bengals in a game where Justin Fields played a lot more snaps than I think anyone saw coming. I bring on Sports Mockery's own Drew Cole to walk through the game with me on this episode of Bear With Me. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I'm joined today by Sports Mockery's own, Dhruv Cool, as we are going to walk through a game that, look, Dhruv, I can't help but feel like this one can only be described as complex. The Bears got their first win of the season. The Bears' defense rebounded beautifully from a Rams game that nobody enjoyed watching defensively. And yet, with Justin Fields getting his first major action to the Chicago Bears' 2021 season, there's now a ticking clock on this Bears' offense looking productive with JF1 under center. I don't know. Does it feel as, um, let's say, complicated to you as it feels like to me? Yeah, complex is a great word. You know, uh, great rebound performance from Sean Desai's defense, certainly over the first 55-ish minutes or so. A little bit of a scary situation there at the end, but overall they closed it out and, you know, they they won the game. A win is a win. You don't apologize for wins in the NFL, uh, even if it's against a team like the Bengals, who, while people were excited about them coming into the game, right, they're they're a young team just like the Bears. It's the Bears' first home game of the season. Uh, and look, they, they, they played overall pretty okay on offense. There are things to, you know, iron out, I would say for sure. But look, it's a lot easier doing that after a win, especially when you get to one and one and are guaranteed to share first place in the NFC North, uh, you know, heading into next week. No kidding. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that even though Justin Fields had, again, we'll just call it an up and down day and get into it in just a second, he was able to get that third down there at the very, very end of the game because we're coming to you pretty much immediately after. Neither of us have rewatched the game. We're going off the top of our heads. But when the Bengals clawed back to 17-20, to 20, I was terrified that our young rookie walked into a game with a lead got four turnovers from his defense and might just manage to blow it instead he was able to make a play that's a very personal play by the way he made the play with his athleticism that was very reminiscent of what was it back in 2017 when Mitch Trubisky converted that ridiculous fourth and 23 not the same level I'd actually say the fourth and 23 was probably more impressive but in the same vein of a rookie having a state play that ends up helping close out the win so that like you're saying you can go through the film and say man I made a lot of mistakes here but at least we won the game you know what I mean certainly and you look after uh, it was 20 to 3 the Bears failed to get uh, too many points after some of those turnovers which I thought they should have done a much better job and we'll get into that uh you know the Bears um they they let up that long touchdown to Jamar Chase it's 20 to 10 Fields gets picked all of a sudden, and then for next play, 20 to 17. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. There is still enough time on the clock. The Bengals, I think, still had two timeouts. They had the two-minute warning. They, it was, I think, three and a half minutes left or so for the Bears. And you run up the gut, you know, just a safe handoff. I thought, quite honestly, Fields probably should have hung on to that ball and run himself. But he hands it off to Montgomery, gains one. Throws a flat out to Cole Komet gains nothing it's third and nine <laughs> and you're just thinking oh god what's going to happen here and yeah when he escapes i thought he was going to get sacked i think it was either sam hubbard or trey hendrickson one of them had him 
uh, behind the line of scrimmage for a sack, potentially. He escapes from that and runs, gets the first down, stays inbounds. Huge play, absolutely huge play. And, and that, you know, was, was, was what sealed the, the game at the end of the day. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. When I was seeing that unfold there right before that game, I'm like, this is, this is too perfect. You know, and, and too perfect in a bad way. <laughs> right. But, yeah, they lucked out. Massive credit to, oh gosh, I just looked up his name. I think it's Lou Anarumo. So, the Bengals defensive coordinator. Personally, I thought he did an incredible job adjusting to Justin Fields, which some may take that strangely. But here's what I mean from a schematic perspective. When a rookie comes in the game, especially when they come in a little bit fresh, you want to blitz the heck out of them. You want to throw disguised coverages at them. You want to make them see things that aren't there. And that pick at the very end of the game was a perfect example, in my opinion, of he threw the kitchen sink at Fields, so Fields knew he had to speed up his processor. Fields on third down wasn't going to take a sack, made the smart play, right? Find your check down. But they did a great job of dropping that linebacker into a very likely running back check down area, and he ended up coming with an interception that Fields never would have seen coming and if I could be very blunt with you I think that kind of play would have gotten a lot of quarterbacks I don't even say that to like slap fields on the back per se it's more that yes it's a rookie mistake but it was also just a great defensive call that overwhelmed a Bears offensive line that usually isn't going to go out there and do anybody any favors so that's exactly the kind of thing that personally I looked at and said that when the Bengals got what they wanted they were doing a great job on offense. Thankfully, the Bears' defense came to play. We can talk a little more about Justin Fields in a minute, but I don't want to make this all about Justin Fields on this postgame podcast when we had exceptional performances, right? From Jalen Johnson, from Eddie Jackson played really well, especially compared to where he was last week. The defensive line came to town. I thought Roquan Smith obviously had maybe the brightest shining moment of the game. Sean size defense rebounded so ferociously that it made me a believer yet again. I mean, one of those things that I didn't think much of this Bears cover unit, so when it got annihilated by the Los Angeles Rams, it, it just it put the fear of God right back inside of me. But this kind of game was the sort of thing that made me think that against the teams the Bears need to beat, right? Because I don't think anybody has dreams that this exact team is going to the Super Bowl, but against the Giants and the Vikings, maybe the Packers if they take a step back, and some of these other teams that they'll need to beat in their season if they want to crawl to that 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, maybe even 10-7 and seven record if things bounce right for them. These were the kinds of defensive performances that set those expectations, and gosh, if we get any more of this, I mean, wow, that they looked good today. They sure did. It was a wonderful bounce-back performance for Sean Desai. I mean, look, he makes his debut in L.A., gets torn apart by Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford, and that's going to happen to a lot of teams this year. Like, let's let's be serious there. It's an elite pairing, excellent quarterback, elite play caller slash offensive mind. That's going to happen. But the Bears had several issues of their own that led to some of that performance. You know, you have miscommunications, people not tackling, uh, you know, just coverage issues, maybe even some in some cases just, like, not – playing to their fullest energy. I think uh, Alec Ogletree mentioned that in a, in, a, in a press conference earlier this week. So there was a lot of issues last week. This week, man, the Bears 
played extremely well. Sean Desai was creative. He had uh, schemed up pressures where he put you know Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack on the same side of the ball in the, on the line of scrimmage, where that resulted in, in Robert Quinn's first sack. Uh, you had Kendall Vildor with a huge pass breakup on a fourth down. You had, um, obviously, Jalen Johnson played lockdown coverage again, had an important interception. The the front seven, I thought, played really well. Roquan Smith had a great game. Look, the Bears played really well overall. Yes, they maybe, you know, with a few minutes left, they, they eased off a little bit on what they were doing and trying to keep things uh, you know, in front of them. And they didn't do a very good job on that one on the Jamar Chase touchdown. But I thought, look, they, given what everyone was saying about uh, the, the Bengals receivers and Joe Burrow taking that, you know, second year leap and everything, I thought the Bears had a great game plan. I thought they covered well for the most part. I thought they, they tackled well, which was huge improvement from last week. And you no, know, look, they caught the ball, three turnovers uh, via interception, one more via that forced fumble. Uh, by Eddie Jackson that Tayshawn Gibson picked up. Huge plays. Look, everyone contributed to this game. They have a problem at nickel, but, you know, I thought overall the Bears, uh, you know, they, they held their own against some 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 good playmakers, and, and, and they won this game for the Bears. I really couldn't agree more on all fronts. I'll talk about Jalen Johnson more later, but I'll tell you what, like, from the perspective of I didn't expect them to play this well and they really impressed me, absolutely. From John Desai scheming up pressures so that the defensive line could get after Joe Burrow, heck yes, I think they finished with, what, five sacks? I know they had at least five. But Roquan Smith picks one up, Khalil Mack, uh, Robert Quinn split one, Bilal Nichols gets in on the action. They got a lot from a lot of different names. So it wasn't just one dominant player. And whenever you can get that kind of a defensive line performance, I always like to tip my hat to the defensive coordinator now this doesn't suddenly make duke shelley or marquee christian good unfortunately just because the other ten, uh, 10 around the nickel position played as well as they did i don't think fixes alec ogletree or the nickel corner which one of them's pretty much got to be on the field and neither of them are great at pass protection but massive credit to a defense that was able to take two crippling i mean gut punching penalties that neither of them should ever happen again this season like we have to mention right robert quinn hitting joe burrow going out of bounds which should never happen or to sean gibson forgetting that there is a taunting rule now and it's being enforced neither of those 15 yarders should ever happen both post play fouls unacceptable is the only word that comes to mind and yet if memory serves they stiffened up and allowed i think three points between the two drives that those were on which is tough to do this bears defense didn't just get lucky is all i can say right they earned every single bit of the performance that they were ultimately given if anything i almost think that they kind of got stabbed in the gut by fields's interception which again rookie bumps it's going to happen but they were on pace for a much stronger game than the 17 points that they ultimately allowed and even 17 in the 2021 nfl is a very very strong defensive effort 100 percent. and look i mean robert quinn is a veteran tayshawn gibson's a veteran they know especially when you have what you were called i think it was alec ogletree last week who was called for a taunting penalty himself you gotta know that they're going to be enforcing these especially early in the season when it's been made an emphasis so you gotta know you gotta be more you know, mentally there and, and not and not making that play, uh, especially those are both third down stops that they would have been third down stops. 
And, uh, you know, obviously the Bears were, you know, did well to hold is just holding them to one total field goal on those. But look, against a better team, against, you know, they have Baker Mayfield next week, they have Derek Carr the, a couple weeks after that, then they have Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they have some great quarterbacks on the slate coming up. And so, uh, they're not going to escape, you know, or every time, so they can't give offenses that second chance. So something they got to clean up, be be better about, and uh, hopefully they'll you know they'll clean that up going forward. Like you said, it's a lot easier to talk about those exact kinds of mistakes in a win than it is in a loss. Where had Burrow and them come back, I mean, for crying out loud, we'd be harping on the Allen Robinson drop touchdown that was, I mean. Oh gosh, I I wanna I want to find a way to work around it. You know what I mean? Like I really hate being negative about a football team and professional athletes because I am not a professional athlete and could not imitate being one. But that kind of throw is the throw that we've been dreaming about in Chicago for I mean probably since Cutler left. Even half of Cutler's tenure, I'd say it wasn't there. And so to see your number one wide receiver that Bears fans like me have been wanting to be paid twenty twenty two million dollars drop the ball in his gut, that hurt. That hurt really, really badly. And that was a seven-point swing, too, because it gets called back like off of an OPI a little bit later that turns what could have been seven into a punt. This was an extremely up-and-down day for the offense. And I got to tell you, last week we were sitting here, and I saw you doing the same thing, so I think we're of the same mind, saying that this Nagy offense should open up when they stop playing a team that's playing match quarters the entire game with a bare front that wants you to throw those 10 to 12-yard balls. And with this game, with Fields, I mean, look, it does have to get better than 82 yards in the second half. It does have to get better than six points when given four turnovers on it by a defense that ultimately outscored your whole field's led offense. It's got to get better. I, I personally would think, because I hate being the guy who criticizes without a solution, I think that more emphasis on the quick game, getting fields to throw those Omaha out routes that he threw so often at OSU, I think finding a rhythm play for fields like the rollouts that he ran at OSU you all the time something that fields needs to kind of help himself get grounded because it felt like in this game specifically he was either hunting deep shots or he was trying to scramble he looked like a rookie you know people could take that as oh he didn't look ready and I don't think that's fair because I don't think Zach Wilson looks ready per se yet either and Kyle Shanahan doesn't think that the third overall pick in Trey Lance is ready enough to take starter reps it's probably for reasons like this you know he took two false starts at the quarterback spot which is rare, but at the same time, he also in he also caused a false start by Jermaine Afedi because he pointed out a nickel blitz that ended up coming. So there was good and bad, you know? Like when you get down to the nitty-gritty, the soft stuff, right? They you start to look at I think anyways and say, I don't know if Fields was truly ready. Like if I think it would have looked a lot better, not a ton, like not 300 yards, but a lot better if he wasn't QB2 coming into this game with a very limited play sheet, thinking that his day was probably in a couple weeks. But even so, I mean, I don't know where you are on the naggy scale, but it, it has to get better than this. And we can't keep just saying, uh, you know, wait a couple of weeks. It'll get better because even though it's a whole bunch of different offensive installs, even though that you can absolutely see, I think, that the Bears keep trying new things at offense, I pass certain points to points that got to be there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hundred percent, no, hundred percent agree. And look, I mean, they had I think five plays that 
they would have flipped the game. This is a different game for talking about. You remember that David Montgomery uh, play that was called back? Mm-hmm. I think it was a hold uh, or an offensive, something like that that happened where he took it 30 yards where he made that move. That was one. You had that uh, crossing route to Darnell Mooney uh, in the middle of the field. That was, that was I think, maybe maybe like an inch too far, but Mooney's got to catch that, man. That, that's another big play. You had, the, you had the Robinson touchdown that was dropped. That's another one. Right after that, the Cole Komet OPI, that would have been a third conversion. They had plays that I thought are just ugh, like so close. And some of that, I mean, you, if you want to call it execution, we can. If you want to call it discipline, we can. Obviously, those plays didn't end up counting. But they were they happened, right? I mean, they right. those things happened. And so you, you, you see the potential. Now, I'm with you. They, it has to turn into points. Next week has to be cleaner. I thought in the first week on the road in L.A., they did a pretty good job in terms of uh, penalties. I think they only had like three, two or three penalties, which is unheard of for this Bears offense, right? They're usually more discombobulated than that. Uh, Field struggled a little bit. You know, he had two false starts of his own. You had uh, you know, an OPI. You had a false start in Effetti. And it was just not as clean, which you expect. He hasn't practiced with these guys. A lot of this is kind of happening on the fly in a real game. And Field probably has his own nerves, so to speak, a little bit like, hey, this is my – this is my game now. It's not. It's not me coming in to spell Dalton for a play. Like this is my offense at this point. So there's maybe a little bit of that. But look, if next week looks the same, there are that's that's going to be challenging. I'm I'm expecting a game plan specific for Fields. I'm expecting you know something to to counter what the what the Browns do well on defense. Something to get you know ease pressure away when you have guys like Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney coming off the edge. It, it's got to be better. Certainly, it's going to be on the road. It's going to be a tough first start for him, but. If, if, if they can if they can operate a more clean operation some of these plays that they didn't you know finish on or, or have called for them or, or stayed as as valid plays because of the penalty if they can clean some of that up we're talking about a different offensive output and uh, probably a lot more positivity and so we'll see um i'm not i'm i'm, I'm concerned obviously i i saw rookie mistakes i saw um, you know, things that where I'm like, look, I understand why Dalton's starting for sure. Uh, but at the same time, it has to be cleaner than what we saw in the second half next week. And so that's what I'm going to be watching. Oh, yeah. I mean, so <laughs> first of all, before we talk a little bit more about Dalton, I, am I hearing that you're ready at this point to turn the page off of Dalton and onto fields? What are you thinking about that? Because obviously with Dalton's knee injury being a little murky right now, we don't really know who's going to start against Cleveland. Exactly. Look, what what Dalton was bringing to the table was pocket presence. I thought we saw that on a couple occasions even today where he stepped up, he escaped, he was able to run. He didn't kind of just like wait for the play to happen for him. He took control. That's things that the Bears haven't had in three years at quarterback. So he brings stuff to the table despite what Bears fans may think. However, if he's gimpy, if he's not able to step into his throws, he already doesn't have what you would call a strong arm. So, look, if, if you're going to be hampered by that, then you got to put in the guy that's healthy. And in this, in this case, that's Justin Fields. Now, that being said, if Fields continues to play like a rookie, if Dalton's out and not, not healthy for three weeks and Fields struggles mightily against, you know, who do they have, who do they have remaining? They have, they, have the, they have the Browns, they have the Lions, they have the, the Raiders. I mean, if, if he struggles and looks, look, looks bad, in the next three weeks, I would not be opposed to putting Dalton back in because, look, Matt Nagy's ultimate job this year is to make sure Fields is ready. And so if he's struggling uh, and he feels like, look, this guy's going to benefit from from some more time watching a veteran, 
it'll be a heavily debated move. And I'm sure Twitter won't be kind, but I would be open to, to them putting him on the bench and putting Dalton back in because I was one of the guys who said, I have some questions about Fields coming out of school. Uh, I thought he played better than I expected in preseason. And so I was encouraged. I saw a little bit of that, you know, manifest in, in this game. So we'll see. Maybe next week he goes out and balls and, and proves me wrong. And then at, the, at that point, you turn the page, absolutely. But uh, I am not, you know, I'm not itching to turn the page on Andy Dalton right. because I thought in this six, you know, five and a half, six quarters, uh, he played he played well. <laughs> Debated. Well, uh, Debated debate. would be a word to describe yeah. <laughs> Matt Nagy's decision to go back to Dalton, especially if he showed any sign of injury. But, I mean, that's, I think, what makes this game so complicated. Like, the reason I keep using that word complex is because I'll say it if you won't. Like, I'll go all the way there. Dalton was balling. Like, Dalton went from looking like a guy who was, you know, a soon-to-be backup. He instead looked controlled. He looked like he was getting the ball out very quickly. He converted three third downs. That third down he had where he rolled left and fired a nice, nice, nice ball to Marquise Goodwin down the sidelines that drew pass interference, let alone the touchdown pass he had to Robinson. These weren't exactly like pop the champagne throws, but they were good. They, they were good enough. They were better than we've seen in Chicago in quite a while. And I personally thought the Matt Nagy offense actually looked like after Dalton had run that 14-yard scramble, they were ready to finally overcome a holding play. Have we seen that in almost three years? That, like, they get bumped back 10 yards and might just get a first down anyways? Oh, but then he got hurt. Oh, but but then Fields came in. And, and everybody's, everybody's, like, hairs on the back of their neck stood up because Justin Fields, one, was in the game. And that's, I think, what makes this so tough, right? Dalton looked really solid, I thought. And while I normally, if, if it was my job to win games, I would probably go back to Dalton when I got the chance. But I'm going to be, I'll be blunt. I'm ready to turn the page on Dalton, if only because you have this beautiful Justin Herbert-esque excuse for both guys to get what they want, right? You can you can say, ah, Dalton's knees hurt. We're not, we're worried. We're, we're too worried to put him back in the game. And so then you can play fields to develop him for the future, while Andy can then go on with the rest of his career, given that he's on a one-year deal, saying, I didn't get benched, I got hurt. And then they just rode the rookie. What can I do about that? And I find myself seeing this as a mutual beneficial spot where, again, do I think right now that Justin Fields gives the Bears the best chance to win? Honestly, it's hard to tell. Because I would, you said that Dalton brought pocket presence. I think we can agree that what I'm about to say is kind of the same thing. I would describe it as a quicker trigger. Justin Fields, whether he he needed to scramble, he needed to get to read two, he needed to, whatever it was that he had to do, Fields seemed a little slower to get there than Dalton was. And while, in theory, if you could, like, surgically put Dalton's brain inside of Fields' body right now, he'd probably look electric, he needs time to get there. Like, that's how it works. That's how development happens. And I can't help but think, kind of like some are saying in our comment section right here, that the reps with the ones, the reps running the Bears offense and the Bears deliberately planning around the electric athlete that is Justin Fields, who can put a deep ball 40 yards down the field right on the money for an Allen Robinson that, again, did not catch what should have been Fields' first touchdown. Like, I... I need to take a look at that Mooney throw again, the one that was, like you said, about an inch off. It looked 
a little behind him to me, but that throw was 35 yards down the field. The Robinson one was just gorgeous, but it was the sort of thing that I looked at and thought to myself, if he gets chewed up a couple times like Deshaun Watson did in his first two games of the season where, if memory serves, the Texans never scored more than 13 points, I shrug my shoulders and I say, whatever, it's the Browns. They're going to beat a lot of teams this year. And then he comes back for the Lions, hopefully has a nice triumphant return to home, and I, I don't know. You really could talk me both ways here, but at the end of the day, what I've been saying on this podcast, which I don't know if you've been listening to it, but I've been talking about how the Bears' wins and losses at the end of the season just don't mean anything to me. I don't really care. And so if right now becomes the moment that the team turns and develops Justin Fields after Bill Lazor and Marquise Goodwin and a whole bunch of shadow voices have all now been criticizing Matt Nagy for not playing Fields, sure, I can get with it. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And look, I think the number one thing, if Matt Nagy wants to keep his job beyond this year, Justin Fields has to show enough in 2021 where the Bears know they have their quarterback of the future. It might be, you know, even if it's a, even if it's a few games where he's looking tantalizingly good, if it's just, you know, him produ- you know, just solidly producing on the offense, you know, like that, that'll be fine. I'm, I agree with you. I don't think the Bears record necessarily means much unless they're getting blown out every game look they have a tough schedule it's just the reality but i think that the number one aspect for this year is look will will fields look like the guy for 2022 and if he does great it's a successful season i think Nagy will be here i think pace will be here they're gonna get they're gonna get to see this project through if fields struggles then you know you're looking at a, you're probably looking at changes made in the offseason anyway uh with Fields still being your quarterback but look at that point you're going into an offseason where Hypothetically, Fields hasn't looked good. There's going to be questions. Is it Nagy holding him back? Is it Fields is just not that good? Um, it's just, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. If you're, I'm not looking forward to that debate at all. And I'm, I'm sure that would be happening if, if, if that's how it goes. But look, I think the number one thing is Fields needs to make progress. He needs to look good. He needs to look confident. He needs to look quick. He needs to look just, you know, like... Like like a quarterback, he needs to look smart and good and just I don't know. It's, it's it, I'm I'm struggling with verbalizing this, but he needs to look like the guy. The way you watched Justin Herbert last year and you knew this guy's going to be really damn good. You know that's similar. You need to feel that way with, with Fields and hoping it starts as early as next week. But uh, given the Browns are a tough task, he should take advantage of a Lions team at home in two weeks. He certainly should. And we've got plenty more fields discussion as we get into player of the game, like et cetera, et cetera. Trying here to take a little bit more license from my friends, Jeff Burkus and Lester Wilfong, who put together such an organized show right after me. It made me recognize how wild I can be. But anyways, let's get right back into it after this word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm sitting here with Sports Mockery's own Dhruv Cole as we break down this Bears versus Bengals first win of the season. We're talking about Justin Fields. And, you know, one thing that let's let's go through, Dhruv. What do you think we need to see to tell you that Fields is developing? For me, all I'm looking for is a little bit of speeding up that processor. As I think back to Trubisky's rookie season, I don't know what you think, but what really sticks out to me is that Trubisky didn't seem to have anything other than maybe scrambling that he could really hang his hat on, right? As that thing he does well. Whereas the bright side with Fields is that when he's getting open looks downfield, he's hitting him. He seems to be an accurate thrower of the football, and you can work with that. I mean, take a look at what Sean McVay did with Jared Goff, who that's like the one thing he does well is sit in the pocket and throw the football accurately even if this offense gets reduced to sort of a touchdown to check down thing I mean you've heard all these terminology before as the Bears have worked with a quarterback like this I think they could make fields even just like lowercase successful in the short term and help him get better off of that hat hanging accuracy that I feel like we've seen what do you want to see to tell you that he's developing it's exactly that. It was one of the main concerns I had coming out of school with him was he seems a little bit late sometimes, not from getting from read to read or uh, just he might see a receiver open. And I think I feel like he doesn't throw receivers open necessarily. He needs to see them open, then delivers the ball, which you don't have that kind of time in the NFL. So I'd like to see that a little bit more. Now, I saw, you know, he, he was better than I expected in preseason, certainly. And I know there's a lot of there's been a lot of analysis out there about Ryan Day's offense and how it's a lot of vertical and how you're expecting some of these routes to unfold. And that's why he's waiting fine. But look, at the end of the day in the NFL, you don't have the time. You can't wait for a route to develop when your offensive line is not blocking very well. You need to be, you know, on your toes. And I felt like today a little bit, he was a tad late on some of his throws. Uh, the, what should have been a touchdown in the end zone to Darnell Mooney, I thought was he was a tad late unleashing that one. And even if Mooney had caught that, he would have run out of real estate in the end zone to make that touchdown. I think those are the kinds of things I want to see from him. If he's quick, if he's decisive, getting the ball out quickly, I think he's his physical talent is immense. He has all the arm strength. He has speed. He's you know big. He can take hits. I mean, he is a physical specimen, unlike I think we've seen in the NFL in a long time in terms of the, the perfect size to speed to arm strength ratio it's that can he can he go quicker and i'd like to see that and that'll tell me is he if he's developing Mm -hmm. i just want to see like i mentioned earlier that quick trigger and i don't think it'll get there in one off season i mean for crying out loud that's a lot to ask even even just one season but even so everybody likes to remember justin herbert at the end of the chargers season and they forget how truly helter skelter he was at the start where it was a five yard out and an incompletion and a 40 yard bomb and then two more incompletions in a pick i mean it was all over the place this rookie roller coaster is not going to be easy and it's not going to get any easier as the bears schedule just it's not it's not a fun one. It's not a great one for a rookie quarterback. But the bright side is, is that I keep looking back at the fact that the Bears may have landed in a bizarrely comfortable scenario where if Fields needs to run, let's just call it the Trubisky offense, right? Something extraordinarily rollout heavy, cut the field in half, make one read and go sorts of plays that that 
fits his skill set for what it is right now. Fields loves to hang on to the football, which is kind of a mess inside of an offensive line that does not block particularly well. So I think as Fields learned with that strip sack, and I mean, hey, credit to him. Fields went the first half. I'd say, so you have to break up his play because what was it? He started around like the mid-second quarter. So the first half of his time, I felt like he got pressured. He took two sacks. He had that strip sack, so on and so forth. But there in the back half, he was getting the ball out, and he was at least avoiding the pressure much better than I felt like he did at the start. So, I mean, there's growth even inside of this football game. But like you're probably thinking, too, I get the impression that Matt Nagy is going to have to shift a little bit of what he and his offense is thinking in terms of its identity now that they've got a very different quarterback than Andy Dalton under center that can do a lot more, but also can't do near the short game, quick game stuff that Dalton's accustomed to. And it'll just be interesting to see if they're able to deploy any of that successfully against a loaded, loaded Browns defense. 100%. Look, I'm very excited about the Bears game plan next week. Uh, You know, to your point, what are they going to do with Fields? I don't, they had him drop back a lot today, classic drop back stuff, which, look, he is a pocket passer first. I mean, I I know a lot of people want to get him outside and on the run and everything. Like, look, he's meant to be a pocket passer first. That's why the Bears drafted him is because he is that, you know, he he can take off and and, drive a a stake through a defense, uh, a defense's heart. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's a pocket passer first. They tried that today. I thought the Bengals played him very well overall, and they're probably going to have to change things up while he, you know, understands how to read defenses better, how to identify coverages pre-snap, how to read them post-snap. He's going to, you know, it's going to take some time. I mean, we're seeing, I mean, I've already seen Justin Herbert get picked twice today, and I'm watching that game on the screen right now against the Cowboys. Look, this stuff takes time. He's a young quarterback. He hasn't seen every defense in the NFL. He's going to face some tough ones this year. Uh, I'm, I think the Bears, to your point, are going to have to shift their game plan a little bit to uh, help Fields out. That said, David Montgomery today, I think, had about 20 carries, 60 yards or so. Uh, I thought the Bengals' defensive line did a good job. Uh, the Bears are, I mean, I'm sure he might struggle with the Bears' offensive line blocking the way it has. Sam, Sam Mustafer has been struggling, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, he's been, he's been blown up on several plays, which is not fun. But that being said, if if they have to shift the way they run, uh, look, they're going to have to certainly make some changes to that plan. And so, look, as much as you can do to keep Fields productive, keep his you know keep his confidence up, keep him you know showing that he can he can deal with that half field you know high low read type of stuff and 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 do that successfully, then you can kind of broaden his horizon a little bit because he's going to face some some tough defenses coming up here. So as much as they can do to you know, I, I don't think he's going to struggle with volume the way Trubisky did because I think Fields is, for lack of a better word, smarter and a more polished quarterback at this stage than Trubisky was. Um, he, he's going to have, I feel like they're going to have to ramp up with him. Mm-hmm. I think the really complicated part about all this, and like you mentioned, we've now gone almost 30 to 35 minutes talking and we really haven't discussed the offensive line much. I mean, I don't know what you were thinking, Drew, but I know when I watched Fields, especially that early part, it looked like Fields, who was very good about stepping up in the pocket at OSU, was completely reluctant to do so here in Chicago, and I wonder if there's a little bit of distrust there between what he's seen from Chicago in the 
interior offensive line. I mean, he and Andy Dalton watched the same film from last week where Sam Mustafer was getting whipped by the guy across from him while Cody Whitehair got danced by Aaron Donald basically every other play. I mean, I thought Whitehair certainly had a much better game today, but it's always hard to watch the offensive line the first time through because if you're like me, I'm watching skill positions. Like, I'll get to the offensive line when I get the all-22 and can actually watch the end zone angle. But... I that relationship right between the offensive line and the quarterback is an important one. It's one that I hope can be developed positively instead of creating any bitterness, but hopefully rollouts, sprint outs, and other things that leverage Fields' incredible physical talents can help create a little bit of ease in both the run game which can now be 11 on 11 instead of 10 on 11 where I don't really think anybody's particularly worried about Andy Dalton pulling on a read option and certainly watch Nick Foles Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens I mean at the end of the day I think you and I would both agree Fields looked like a rookie and he made a lot of rookie mistakes I mean there's no way to spin 83 yards in the second half as good even though I can definitely say that 30 to 35 of those in a touchdown were left off the board off of that Allen Robinson drop that I will not stop harping on because the throw was too good to stop harping on I mean it doesn't it doesn't turn Fields' day which I think at that point would climb him to an 80 passer rating into a good one it turns it into a rookie right (laughs) the roller coaster up and down etc etc you know what i mean 100 percent. and look i mean when you have a mobile quarterback and again i I said this earlier fields is a pocket passer first but he's mobile he's gonna run he's gonna escape in today's nfl if you have a mobile quarterback tackles are kind of my least concern I care about the interior. You cannot get away from interior pressure. And the Bears saw a lot of it today and, and last week. So Sam Mustafer, there's something that will be done there. Uh, maybe they got to give him help. They have to, you know, go with more heavy sets and, you know, help with the edges with using the tight ends a little bit more or something like that. I don't know. But there needs to be an answer. Sam Mustafer is not cutting it. Cody Whitehair struggled a little bit. James Daniels has struggled a little bit. I think, Even though I think he's he's been the Bears' best interior blocker so far. Um that's going to be important because a quarterback like Fields, he can get away from the tackles. He can he can outrun Miles Garrett. He can outrun Jadavian Clowney. But he he's not going to outrun and change direction real quick when you have a defensive tackle running right at him because he blew he blew apart the, the interior. So that's going to be important. The Bears need to get that figured out. Um, you know, Juan Castillo has has work to do. But until that gets fixed, um, you know, it's going to be tough. But that being said, I mean, David Montgomery, man. Uh, even with uh, the offensive line struggling to run block today, he still, you know, made mountains out of molehills at times. And even even on losses, there was a one there was one play in particular that would have been a three yard loss. And I think he swung his body like you know 270 degrees and you know made it a minus two yard loss. So yep. <laughs> it's it, it's just ridiculous. But uh, we've yeah, the, the interior desensitized to it, you know. But he really is yeah, the juice exactly. in this Bears running game. Because it's not schematic. Like, it, this is going to sound so sad, but whenever the Bears run outside zone, like, I used to get frustrated with Montgomery at not taking outside zone outside. And I've started realizing that just with who the Bears have on their team, this kind of applies to both wide receivers, tight ends, unfortunately, and offensive line. If you're headed to the play side, you're probably not getting much, unfortunately. So we are at this spot where the Bears running game, I want it to get better. 
I think it was pretty good against Los Angeles. I think it was pretty good today. Like, I'm not trying to crown them for anything that they did today because it wasn't a phenomenally efficient game. I just know that Cincinnati's defensive front did a pretty good job bottling up Minnesota. So I don't know why we would expect to do, like, way too much better, you know? Even so... It does kind of feel like this offensive or this running game comes down to what can Montgomery make out of getting tackled three yards behind the line of scrimmage because I've gotten so used to it now that whenever he doesn't break away, I'm I'm almost disappointed. And that's not fair. Yeah. No, I totally agree. But that being said, I will give the offensive line credit. Uh, right after Fields picked up that huge first down to assault the game, I think the Bears picked up six on first down, and then Montgomery sealed it with a five-yard run where he, I think he cut a little extra by driving his legs a little bit. But, you know, I think that those two plays were well blocked. But that being said, no, I, I agree with you. I, Montgomery has so much potential to, I mean, he looks faster this year. I think whatever training he was doing in the offseason helped him. He has so much potential. He's still on track for a 1,000-yard season. But, look, th- th- he is... He, he is a playmaker. The Bears got him involved in the passing game today, and I think he did well. He had, again, like 35 yards or so taken off the board because of, a, you know, those offsetting penalties earlier in the game. I mean, he <laughs> he is he is something else, and he's, he's fun to watch. So hopefully the Bears are able to, to get the ball to him a little bit more. He's able to, you know, have more plays that are explosive that aren't called back because, right. you know, he's, he's someone who, he's, you know, running backs don't get a lot of second contracts in the NFL, or at least they don't get a lot of big ones. Uh, he's someone who I feel like is going to deserve one with some team. Oh, he's warranted it so far between two weeks. But hopefully, like you're saying, all his big plays will continue to count. So with that in mind, as we start to wrap up this instant reaction podcast, let's go through players of the game on let's go. Let's do players of the game. So best player that stuck out to you. And then let's do the player that you're looking at the most, like the one that you want to see improve, et cetera, so on and so forth. But we'll start with the positive who, if you had to give your quote unquote game ball player, of the game, whatever award to gets it on offense or overall, 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 man, uh, I'm gonna have to go Roquan Smith. Uh, you know the pick six to to you know, essentially you know give the Bears a commanding lead. Uh, he was all over the field again, making tackles, you know, covering. I thought he played really well. You could honestly give this to a lot of folks on the defense. I thought Jalen Johnson deserves it as well. Uh, I, quite frankly, I also toyed with the idea of giving it to Eddie Jackson. Um, but look, <laughs> Roquan Smith is is truly truly an All Pro, and uh, he's played exceptional football for for two weeks and going back to last year or so. And then he, he, he helped out a lot today. So I'll, I'll give him the game ball. Roquan Smith was a beast. I mean, what I, and I'm going to try to walk through this if I get the time. What I was so impressed with on that pick is that it looked like Roquan had it lined up, that he knew that's where the ball was going and baited the throw anyways, because he's learned over time. If he jumps a lane too quickly, the throw never goes there and wanted to take that thing to the house. That was sublime. But if I had to pick an MVP, because I think, I think a linebacker taking a pick back is awesome right? But I'm going to sit on the pick part and take the six out of it. He got a sack too. Awesome game from him to me. It has to be Jalen Johnson. Last time I've seen a cornerback record, not one, not two, not three, four pass breakups 
and an interception to boot. I would have to go back in my my or in my mental Rolodex quite quite far. Jalen was targeted early. Jalen was targeted often, and Jalen. I got the impression he gave up next to nothing. I mean, he played cover three corner. He played cover four corner. He played sticky man to man corner. He played all kinds of roles. And just like the second rounder that we saw at a Utah, that seemed like he could do it all. He was that guy against a very very good. Uh, Cincinnati receiving core that I mean it's hard for me to look anywhere else right defensive backs never get enough coverage for or like enough no coverage is the right word ironically uh, they get never get enough acclaim for what they do because interceptions are the most obvious thing and a real lockdown DB just doesn't get thrown at but that or that interception to me I <laughs> in my Twitter DMs I called it a screw you pick where it looked to me like Jalen never bought into the idea that Joe Burrow was going deep because he'd seen him throw short all game long and as he sat there in zone coverage with his eyes on Burrow it was just a matter of when the receiver broke back and as soon as he saw him hit his drop Mark Sanchez kind of talked about it as soon as he saw him step into that throw he was gone and it was never a question if anything I'm almost surprised he didn't record six himself you know yeah yeah, for sure, for sure. It, I, I'm, look, I'm not going to argue that at all. I mean, Jalen Johnson was exceptional today. A little bit surprised by how often Cincinnati, you know, targeted him, considering, you know, you have <laughs> a nickel corner who you guys abused. Cincinnati right. absolutely destroyed Duke Shelley. Today. Uh, you should have just gone after him the entire game. Bears did not have any answers, uh, and for you know the slot wide receiver. So, you know, I mean, thank I- you for. Uh, you know, for going after him. <laughs> I, I have to say this because I feel like it could be really popular, right? That we, we sit here, we talk about either our defensive play calling, our being the Bears, or our offensive play calling. And oh my word, maybe I'll have to start making this like a regular thing. If I was a Bengals fan, I would be fuming out of my ears at Zach Taylor's game plan. I hated it so so much you just had this team that got embarrassed by the rams and you decided to go at the one corner you knew might be the most reliable instead of attacking to sean gibson who basically just left the whole game untested though he gave up one himself and duke shelley and kendall vildor which like i thought vildor even he did a solid job like i always feel like talking about vildor's complicated because I don't feel like Vildor is a true CB2. I always have him in my mind as like the first depth corner off the bench. And so then whenever I go through and grade him, I can't take that out of my head. And I just say, well, yeah, he's going to give up some of those. He's a small man corner. But he did make a nice play on third down. I'm rambling. The point is, oh my gosh, I can't believe Zach Taylor's game plan was what it was. I thought it allowed the Bears to just shine on defense. Obviously, I hope Kevin Stefanski rolls out some kind of bizarre similar game plan where him and Baker Mayfield just target Jalen Johnson because if they do, Bears might be more in that game than we think they will. Right, right. Right now, I'm expecting a lot of you know double move, going deep. I mean, Baker's out of cannon. The, you know, the, the, the Bears can't cover deep still. And even apparently covered two, so like that's <laughs> that's a problem. So I expect plenty of deep shots, but we'll see. Look, if the Bears get Eddie Goldman back next week, the Bears are a little bit more competitive for that game because look, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, that's an that's an elite duo, probably yep. the best duo in the NFL, in, in my opinion. And uh, if you have Eddie Goldman, you maybe stand a chance a little bit more. But 
Look, Baker is awesome. And so I'm I'm expecting, you know, Kevin Stefanski to come up with something smart to combat. But there are some obvious weaknesses in this Bears defense. But look, we'll see. And and you know, to that point, we'll see what a. What, and I know we talked about this earlier. An extra week of of practice does for uh, Justin Fields in the ones. And look, if the Bears are able to keep the Browns on the sidelines because they're able to to ball control and and possess the ball and all, all that kind of stuff. You know, they, 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 there may be a chance that they're more in this game, to your point, than we thought. So it'll be fascinating. So as we close out, whatever the opposite of game ball is, I'll try to come up with some cute name for it <laughs> over the next week. But somebody that, look, I don't want to say, like, you want to see more improvement from, because I'm just going to go to Fields, and I don't really want that on this show. But <laughs> I don't want to deal with that in my mentions, okay? Uh, but what or which player is currently through two games worrying you the most and worried you most today? Oh, I can man. start if you want some time. I'm going to go with Sam Mustafer. I personally think that the center spot is one that's obviously really important. You can't deny interior offensive line pressure and the pressures that Sam has been giving up for now two weeks are probably pretty indicative of what's going to happen to him against Kenny Clark against Mike Pinnell against like the Vita Vea and the compliment that the Tampa Bay rushers have like there are way too many good nose tackles on this Bears schedule let alone in the NFL where defensive linemen are just getting really really good to be putting a guy like Sam Mustafer out there I've been I feel like kind of a jack wagon. I've been kind of a uh, a downer on Sam pretty much since he started getting major playing time, but the Bears offensive line was doing better then. So it kind of got hard to speak about it. Even so, he's somebody that I don't think there's a solution on the roster. We're seeing plenty of people in the chat talk about white hair or Daniels or bars or, I mean, tons of different names, but he's somebody that I'm really surprised that the Bears didn't pick up an Austin Reader or somebody else to at least pretend was the backup center because if they're going to play Sam Mustafer all year long, we, we got to see better from him because it could be a bumpy, bumpy ride watching him consistently pass block or even worse assigning somebody to assist him on every single play i completely agree sam mustafer is certainly on my consideration list um yeah to your point i want to avoid the the justin field slander just because of you know it'll be it'll be your and my mentions (laughs) getting torched plus Um, you can probably tell i left you i left you a good category here (laughs) i think i know where you're going with it (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, look, the wide receivers I think need to they need to they need to do better. Um, look, I love Darnell Mooney. Oh, I love Darnell Mooney, but look, apart after the first couple of I think the first series where he had a big third down conversion, he had another big play that if he had just stayed on his on his feet, I think he would have had you know open grass in front of him. Uh, look, he I just I don't know. I, the Bears, it felt like they were struggling to get open a little bit against the secondary, and I believe you know, the Bengals do play a good bit of man uh, generally. At least that's what I remember seeing on, on tape in the first game. And look, you, you have speed on this team. Uh, I feel like they should be getting open more. Um, I'll have to go back and actually watch the tape. Maybe they were open, especially when Fields got in the game. We just didn't see it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the all 22, but I want to see more from the, from the wide receivers. I want to see more from Cole Komet. Um, just, it's more of a production thing. It's not necessarily that they, they played poorly, but look, Alan Robinson, 
got to come down with that touchdown. Darnell Mooney, you got to come down with that that crossing route. I feel like, which I feel, I still feel like, if I if I remember the angle correctly, it was it was a well thrown ball. But he's got he's got he's got to come back with that one. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm that that's where I'll go. Uh, if, if that on offense and then on defense, um, <laughs> nickel corner. <laughs> Right. I mean, they need to have a plan there. I don't think they're going to win much one-on-one with Duke Shelley or Marky Christian. So if they need to, they need to double the slot a little bit and play more dime potentially. Do that. Like schematically, you got to figure it out. Yeah, I'm hoping in their case that they'll be able to bring somebody in. I think that there's more that they can do there, but we will have to see. Either way. That about wraps up an instant reaction podcast here on Bear with Me. Drew, where can folks find you and your work online? Awesome. Uh, and so I can, can find me on Twitter at Drew Cole, D-H-R-U-V-K-O-U-L, uh, right for sportsmockery.com. Uh, our, I'll, I'll do a quick plug of our podcast to uh, at club dub underscore podcast. Uh, that's pretty new. We've just kind of started that. And we only have like 10, 15 episodes out there. And uh, we'll, we'll be opening it up to, to, to guests here soon. I hope to have you and, and others uh, on, on that show here in the near future. It'd be fun. Either way, guys, thanks so much for hanging out, and until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me.